Hey listeners, and welcome back to the weird and spooky corner of podcasts. This is your host, Roxanne, and we are going to head down another dark crossroad today. Before I start, I just wanted to take a second to talk about a fellow podcaster and her husband that were tragically murdered by what people are calling her stalker. It has not um, been covered a lot in the news, but I will be following this case and I will be updating you guys about it. My thoughts go out to both of their families and I just wanted to remind you guys during all of these hard stories, um, cases, and everything going around the world, stay safe, be weird, stay different, and do not trust anyone. So there's our little tidbit of crime news, um, but with that business out of the way, let's get into this week's case. Today we are going to be covering the suspicious death of Catherine Katrina Mowry. Catherine Diane Mowry, who also went by Katrina, was born on February 5th, 1961, and I believe that would make her an Aquarius. She was born to James and Catherine Mowry. She grew up in Kansas alongside with her five siblings, Jim, Michael, Mark, Joanne, and Deborah. When she was a young adult, Catherine changed her name to Katrina because she was working at a country club where many of the ladies there called her by that name. In 1985, Katrina was 24 years old, living on her own in Dallas, Dallas County, Texas. She left Kansas when she turned 18 years old. According to her niece, Katrina Marshall, who was also named after Katrina, she states that She was semi-involved in the local drug scene in Texas. In mid-June 1985, Katrina was planning to drive to Kansas to visit Deborah, her sister. Prior to the trip, the pair had gotten into a scuffle or argument over the phone, causing Deborah to hang up on Katrina. And despite the anger between the two, Deborah assumed they'd patch things up when Katrina arrived in Kansas. When Katrina did not arrive, though, Deborah assumed she was still upset and had decided to cancel her trip without telling anybody. That same month, on June 25, 1985, the manager of an apartment complex titled Casa Three Apartments at 200 South Morales Avenue was walking by an alley when she noticed a strong odor coming from a 1978 Ford LTD parked nearby. It has stated. It was stated in some reports that um, Katrina was a resident of this apartment complex, but it has not been verified. So the manager of this apartment complex contacted the Southwest Station of the Dallas Police Department, and when officers arrived, they smelled something coming from the vehicle's trunk, and they knew what this smell was. When they popped open the trunk, they discovered the decomposing nude body of a white female. She'd been wrapped in a stained white bed sheet. The body was brought to the medical examiner, who, through dental records, identified the deceased as Katrina Mowry. Given the level of decomposition, they were unable to know any superficial marks or wounds on the body. However, they were able to conclude that Katrina had not been sexually assaulted before her death. A toxicology report found no drugs or alcohol in her system. 
Police initially tried to put Katrina's death down as a suicide. However, it was later determined to be an unexplained death. It was estimated it had occurred two days prior to her body being found on June 23, 1985. According to Deborah, her sister, there was a one to two week span between her final phone call with Katrina and the family learning about her death. Her body was eventually released and the burial done in Lawrence, Kansas. I just want to add here that I do not see how they could have thought that this could be a suicide. This is a young woman in her early 20s with her whole life ahead of her, living the dream, and she's found naked in the trunk of a car. Why would you strip down naked and lock yourself in the trunk of a car to commit suicide? That just does not process in my brain cells. (laughs) But anyway, moving on. Katrina's death was never publicized to the wider Dallas population, which little with little in the way of media coverage. At the time it occurred, it was reported to be the cause of an overdose, as the toxicology report had yet to be completed. Speaking with the media, one of the sergeants working homicide claimed there was evidence she'd taken cocaine before her death. Them not covering this case could have been why um, it kind of slipped through the cracks, they made assumptions and instead of immediately trying to find evidence and search for if she was murdered or if there was foul play, they assumed and um, they didn't reach out to people and they lost contact. They could have possibly gotten closer or solved this case if they would have put their feet on the ground from the beginning. Investigators went to Katrina's apartment and found nothing out of the ordinary. There was no evidence of forced entry and nothing was missing. In fact, her glasses and contacts, which she was legally blind without, were found on her nightstand. I think that says something right there. If she's legally blind and cannot go anywhere without her glasses or her contacts and they are left behind, how was she able to be out walking around? How did she end up? in the trunk of a car, naked. I digress. Her travel bags were also found by the front door, indicating she had planned to make the trip to Kansas to visit her sister. So this is somebody who was planning for their future. They were planning to do family things. They were planning to keep going on with their life. This was not a suicide. The authorities also spoke with Katrina's boyfriend, after discovering the vehicle in which her body was found belonged to him. He claimed to have no knowledge she was still in Dallas, as he'd assumed she'd already left for Kansas and had an alibi for the time of her death. He was also unaware his car was missing, which was not unusual, as Katrina was known to borrow it whenever she made trips back home. I do not know what his alibi was, but it apparently was good enough to cross him off the list of of suspects. According to Deborah, her sister, the last person to see her sister was a man known as Pee-wee. Yes, Pee-wee. I said Pee-wee. Pee-wee. The pair were close friends to the point where it's alleged Pee-wee had a crush on Katrina. She was also his drug dealer. Knowing how the pair interacted with each other, Deborah always felt Pee-wee was responsible for Katrina's death. 
However, authorities were never able to locate and question him, and his whereabouts remain unknown. It's widely believed that Katrina's death was not taken very seriously by the Dallas Police Department due to her involvement in the local drug scene. According to Katrina's niece, investigators misled the family into believing they were actively looking into the case, when in actuality, it was left completely untouched. This caused a divide within the family, along with unresolved anger and resentment. It was also considered a taboo topic and thus was rarely spoken about. This is devastating. This is a young woman who had family, loved ones, a future, a boyfriend, and she was just tossed to the wayside because of a stigmatism that people who are in a certain lifestyle mean less than others. I mean, I cannot believe, I can't seriously can't believe this. And it's so sad for this family to not even have the support of law enforcement, people who are supposed to be protecting us and finding the answers and helping us. All they want is answers for their daughter and they aren't getting that. And it's sad. Katrina's niece has had minimal contact with law enforcement, and what contact she has had has resulted in their conversations going around in circles. At one point, the investigator she was speaking to was unable to locate Katrina in their database and accused the family of passing down stories that were not completely accurate in quotation marks. As for what her niece believes happened to her aunt, Katrina Marshall says, I never consider any theory off the table completely. However, it's possible it was somehow a situation where someone did panic and needed to hide her body. I'm also equally considerate to the fact that this was a homicide. I say that because of how she was found, naked, wrapped up like a burrito in a bedsheet, along with the fact that she was found across town from where she lived and she couldn't have driven herself there because legally she was blind without glasses or contacts, and both were still on her nightstand next to her bed all the way across town. Regardless, law enforcement failed to investigate, failed to bring justice or bring closure to my family, and sadly, not only did they possibly let her killer escape, but they also sentenced her sisters to a life of misery. Hey dudes, let's talk about Podbean. What is Podbean, you ask? Podbean. Podbean is a podcast hosting and monetizing platform. If you're looking to start a podcast, does your friend have a podcast? Do your parents? Okay, never mind. Anyway, Podbean is an easy and powerful way to create, promote, and monetize your podcast. Everything you need for a successful podcast. More than 600,000 podcasters trust in Podbean podcast hosting services. They provide all the services that you need to start your podcast and achieve your goals. You want to start a podcast about momming. You want to start a podcast about cooking. You want to start a podcast about fishing. You want to start a true crime 
blah, 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 you want to start a true crime podcast? Podbean's got you. Make compelling podcasts right from your phone with the podcast recording app or capture any moment with professional quality Podbean live streaming. Publish your audio and video in one ultra simple, secure platform to grow your audience quickly and easily. Sign up and get one month free with the promo code. Type in www.podbeam.com slash dark crossroads and get one month free of Podbeam streaming audio recording. The, one of the main theories that has been tossed around about this case is that Katrina was a victim of foul play. This is due to the fact that she was found deceased in the trunk of a car across town from where she lived, as well as the fact that she was naked and her body was wrapped in a bedsheet. It seems unlikely somebody would strip themselves naked, wrap themselves in a sheet, and lock themselves in the trunk of a car if they were intending on harming themselves, as police theorized in the beginning. As well, Katrina would have had to be transported to the alley by another person, as she was legally blind without her glasses or contacts, both of which were left at her apartment. Unfortunately, the state of her remains made it very difficult to almost impossible for the medical examiner to determine if she had any superficial marks on her that could have been caused by any weapon. A second theory is that... um, Katrina died of an accidental overdose and whoever she was with, who most likely was peewee to a lot of people's superstitions, um, they think that he panicked and tried to hide her body. In an attempt to distance themselves from her death, the person or persons involved decided to drive her body across Dallas and hid the car in the alley. However, this goes against the findings of the toxicology report, which stated she had no illicit drugs in her system at the time of her death. If she had died of an overdose, there would have been some indications of drugs in her system, especially as she would was found just two days after her death. In 2021, Katrina's niece set up a change.org petition to help gain the case more attention in hopes of prompting the Dallas Police Department to restart this investigation. On the webpage, she expressed her frustration over how her aunt's death has been handled. She stated, after numerous attempts to contact, communicate, and request information, give information, and and investigating this case on my own with minimal to no response communication or contact from any of the departments within the Dallas Law Enforcement Divisions or departments or governing offices. I am now forced to make this matter public in hopes of gaining the attention of the higher courts and officials to assist with getting some answers, justice, and most importantly, closure. Katrina's parents have since passed away, as have her two sisters. Joanne was the victim of a homicide in Dallas in April 1993, for which there were criminal proceedings. Deborah sadly took her own life in November of 2020 due to the pain caused by her sister's unexplained death. 
that just ripped at my heart. Those with information regarding this case can forward their information to the Homicide Unit of the Dallas Police Department at 214-671-3661 or its General Investigations Line at 214-671-3503. Tips can also be sent to Katrina Marshall on Twitter at C-A-T-R-I-N-A-M-A-R-S-H-9-1. That's on Twitter at Katrina Marsh 91. You also can send an anonymous tip to Crime Stoppers. This will be completely anonymous and they will follow through with all tips. To help this case move forward, please take a minute to sign the petition created by Katrina's niece to demand that the Dallas Police Department reinvestigate her death. There will be a link to this in the show notes. When an individual is a victim of a cold case homicide, families and friends want answers, justice, communication, transparency, updates, effort, support, and closure. Another quote from Katrina's niece is that my maternal aunt, my namesake, and immediate family member, Catherine Katrina Diane Mallory, was the victim of a brutal homicide in Dallas, Texas during the summer of 1985 and has yet to be given a second thought by law enforcement. All right, dudes. So I hope you enjoyed this episode and let's try to get help for this family. Help them get some answers. Help them on the path to closure. Go sign this petition or reach out to the law enforcement if you have any information that may help this case. You can also reach out to Katrina on her Twitter or contact Crime Stoppers, a completely anonymous, you won't even they won't look into who you are, they will follow through. Let's just try to help this family here. They've gone through so much already. They've lost enough people. Let's just give them a little bit of hope and help them get a little bit of closure. I think they, they, along with everybody else, deserves that. And with that, um, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, follow us on social, check us out on the website, and also don't forget to stay different, my friends. Stay different. The Curiosity Box delivers a cerebral fascination of Vsauce right to your door through engaging science toys, surprising puzzles, and books that expand our understanding of the universe. The creators worked together to create, design, and handpick each illuminating item in the Curiosity Box, including constructive kits, brain games, and imaginative custom t-shirts. Every quarterly delivery will turn your home into a laboratory of wonder. If you have always been curious about the world around you, then subscribe to the Curiosity Box and have access to the most popular science education network on YouTube as it energizes a community of Earth's most inquisitive minds with videos spanning science, math, and the human experience. And now all of that passion is in a box pulled off the screen 
input in your hands. You can also receive monthly courses spanning popular academic disciplines to inspire and nurture the next generation of curious thinkers, innovators, and inventors. They are delivering a deeper learning experience through AR, VR, and video lessons on the MEL app. Join the curious community on their journey to explore the world. Celebrate the amazing and support brains for the future of our pale blue dot and beyond.